0: Today is the Feast of Our Lady of Ransom, an ancient feast that goes back to the Middle Ages, an invocation of our Blessed Mother. And also for us locally here, it is uh, the memorial of Blessed Emily Gamelin Trevernier, who was uh, a religious nun from Montreal Who died in the middle of the 19th century but let's go to the 13th century first when Our Lady appeared to a number of different people I believe three people at different moments where she expressed her desire to contribute to establishing an order for redeeming captives Christians who have been held captives by, by Islamic uh, kingdoms in Spain. She wanted a kind of, what well, came to be a kind of military order, was, came to be known as the redemption of the captives, or the order of the Blessed Virgin Mary, of mercy, or Our Lady of Ransom and the purpose was to free these captives the Islamic uh, kingdoms were very powerful in that time and they were in Spain also in the Ottoman Empire and they operated a vast slave trade basically and in particular in Spain people there were subject to raids they could be captured, they could be imprisoned they could be sold into slavery many of them were forced to renounce their catholic faith or face a d- severe discrimination, torture, death, martyrdom it was really a dramatic situation for many people at that time and Also, Christians going to the Holy Land with a desire to step onto the land that our Lord had walked on. Also, they were being raided. They were being attacked. And they, too, needed to be protected. So organizations sprung out, like the Knights the Templars, what they call the Templars, or the St. John um, Hospitalier Basically, they started these... These communities uh, or hospices en route to the Holy Land where people could feel protected. They even started a a hospital in Jerusalem. Now one of these people, Nolasco, he had a vision of Our Lady of Ransom and he went to the court of King James to start this order and uh, the king, the Spanish king, gave him all the facility to do that. And with that started this devotion to Our Lady of Ransom and uh, many people of course invoked her and she was often shown sort of wearing a kind of a mantle covering her children under her mantle protecting them, this idea that Our Lady has this protective motherly role. She is tender, she watches over her children and many paintings were done showing Our Lady with this mantle, and people kind of snuggled underneath her mantle. Piero della Francesca has a famous painting from the 1420s or 1450s uh, of Our Lady. She looks somewhat stern and severe, but, but everybody underneath feels really protected underneath her. And so as we do our prayer this evening, we too perhaps have to see if we feel that sense of protection we all like to feel protected that somebody is watching over us but also if we do truly feel protected it'll grant us or or help us to have more daring more courage to undertake a more daring apostolate to do things that are more difficult to do in our life in general to really talk to our friends about their faith, perhaps even to challenge them, or to open up horizons, and if we're afraid to do that, if we're perhaps afraid of some kind of rejection, then we can go to Our Lady of Ransom and say, okay, Blessed Mother protect me here, I need, I'm kind of scared, I'm kind of chickening out here. Because the danger we all have now is to kind of stay within our own little bubble, looking at our screens all the time and our phones just kind of limited to what we see on our phone always having our phone at our ready and if anything should bother us we can look and we can get consoled by some message something we like where we just only listen to opinions that we agree with where we're not really ever challenged never being daring enough to listen patiently to others this capacity to listen this capacity to willfully nod our heads and listen to what somebody is saying because many you could say are captives many are kind of stuck in a rut many feel deeply alone i'm sure you won't be surprised to learn that from some of your friends without them almost even knowing it that many of them feel a deep loneliness and uh, maybe their best friend is uh, snapchat maybe their best friend is Instagram where they just browse and browse and they filter away all their unpleasantness all the sides of themselves they don't like, and they they take one selfie. No, no, that's not the right selfie. Take another selfie. I don't like the angle there. I take another one. Take another one. Till finally, the perfect selfie comes out. You no doubt have heard about that book by Jonathan Haidt called *The Coddling of the American Mind*. I haven't looked at it in great depth yet, but I hope to look at it a little bit. But Just as today, these days, we are using a lot of hand sanitizer. Everywhere you go, you're sanitizing your hands so that you have, you know, no bacteria can survive around us for more than two minutes. So too, these authors, the principal author, as I understand is Jonathan Haidt. He explains that there's a movement arising where no, no bacteria can be endured. That is, uh, they're trying to scrub all campuses free of words, ideas, subjects that might cause discomfort or offense as though they were like a bacteria. That the, that the students need to be perfectly clean of, like, like that hand sanitizer. In the name of this emotional well-being, college students are increasingly demanding protection from words, ideas that they just don't like. Obviously, betraying a deep, deep fragility. They're, they're very fragile if they can't take a few words of challenge. It may sound very silly to us when he describes some of the almost surreal things that have happened some of some campuses but it does point to the inherent fragility that we see around us that meaning by that that the sense of the purpose of life has been lost in many why do i exist what's my purpose what is the purpose of suffering why do i suffer and of course christians who in the 14th and 15th century or even earlier in the Middle Ages were enslaved by Muslims so, for so long were, were enslaved and imprisoned and beaten. They nevertheless were not as fragile. They had Our Lady to go to who protected them and made them stronger, feel stronger. But now liberal professors speak about how they have to Ginger, how gingerly they have to speak about any topic, lest they be denounced and a petition be written and they be thrown out of uh, the school that they teach at and jeopardize their, their own work. You've often heard of words like microaggressions and trigger warnings, all these strange new words that no doubt will enter into, into the dictionary soon. As a, as a commonly known thing. But you and I, thanks to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin, our Mother, Our Lady of Ransom in particular, have to be tough. We have, we have to ask God to make us courageous and resilient at the foot of the cross with Mary, our Mother, asking her for this protection, asking for her closeness, closeness of her mantle and that closeness of our Blessed Mother will make us more confident you know just wearing the scapulary, I presume most of you are wearing right now the scapulary or have had it imposed the scapulary of Our Lady of Mount Carmel with that promise that she gave, the Sabbatine privilege that anybody who wore this and uh, fulfilled the, you know, the, uh, the requirements of wearing the scapular would be, would be guaranteed heaven on the first Saturday after their death. So when we wear the scapular, this is a special promise that Our Lady made to St. Simon Stock in, I don't know what century, in the 12th or 11th century, and whatever it was then. And, and uh, he, she made that promise, or the miraculous medal. We suddenly we suddenly feel secure we feel protected not because of a little metal or because of a cloth but because Our Lady is indeed there and indeed St. Rosemarie used that expression of the mantle of Our Lady he said speaking about about the work he said our Opus Dei was born and grew up under the mantle of Our Lady was born and grew up under the mantle of Our Lady. She has been a good mother, comforting us, smiling at us, helping us in the difficult moments of the blessed battle to bring forward this army of apostles in the world. I dream of an army of apostles, women that understand themselves to be apostles in the world, women and men, of course, and that's why there are so many invocations to Our Lady. There's so many different images and different invocations. Our Lady, of, certainly in Spain, El Pilar, right? Our Lady in El Pilar in, in Saragossa. I remember going there as a, as a transitional deacon. So I'd just been ordained deacon. And I was not yet a priest. And I went with my confreres, We were 44 altogether. And we went to Our Lady of El Pilar in Saragossa. And uh, one of the fellows there was from Saragossa, and he invited us all to his home for lunch. And I don't know how his mother handled all that, but uh, there were a lot of us. We, I don't think we were all 44, but uh, we were a big group in this little house that he had there in Saragossa. And uh, we went there and kissed the pillar of Our Lady of, of the Pillar. There's images like Our Lady of Sonsoles, Soles, where I haven't been. Or Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal, where I haven't been either. Uh, or Our Lady of Lourdes, where I have been. And Torquilath, where I got ordained as a deacon. I have been there, too. Right? And Guadalupe, I've been there, too. Yeah, there. There you go. So, I've gotten some of them. Right? And these are all invocations. And each one of us should have kind of maybe like our favorite invocation. Or our, I don't know if that's what you call them, invocations, because it's all Our Lady. It's all one. But but she, she has... Uh, appeared in different ways uh, throughout history, and there, I mean, obviously, we could mention many, many more, huh? many more. I'm just maybe mentioning the ones that are in particular closely uh, aligned or associated with uh, Saint Josemaria. Mm-hmm. But there are many more, and Our Lady of Ransom is is one of them because she's the patron of uh, Barcelona in in Spain, mm-hmm. and. When did he first visit Our Lady of uh, Ransom? Well, he visited Barcelona first in 1924, so he was not even a deacon yet, so he wasn't ordained yet. I don't exactly remember why he went there, but in 1924 he, he, he was on a visit. But then later on, some years later, in 1937, he was in Barcelona on very, very different circumstances, that was during the Civil War. So he was preparing at that time to cross the Pyrenees, this mountain range, as you know, that would have led him to Andorra, a more neutral area, so that he could later on continue the apostolic work in uh, Barcelona. But uh, first he had to cross to the Pyrenees. And um, that was um, that was like October of 1937. And uh, the militia were told to shoot without without even asking, like, just shoot anybody that moves, you shoot it, right? So it wasn't as though, well, we just have to hold our hands up and they won't shoot us. No, they'll just shoot you, right? Even if you happen to be on their side. So it was very, very dangerous to cross the Pyrenees like that because they knew that many, many people were trying to escape. And so Our Lady of Ransom, or Our Lady of uh, Mercy, also sometimes called, Uh, was there to protect them and they certainly felt protected there during that civil war and as you know our lady of ransom in spanish is merced merced and that's where we get the name of course mercedes so there's a lot of women in spain their names are mercedes and uh, i looked this up of course that uh, that's where we get mercedes-benz right so I, i figured it took me a while to figure it out but carl benz was the, was the business partner of a guy called Emil Jellink and another guy called Gottlieb uh, Daimler. And uh, his one partner, Emil Jellink, had a daughter in 1900, and he named her Mercedes. Mercedes. And so that's where we get Mercedes-Benz whatever, you know, whatever that uh, value of that is. But uh, th- that car was a 35 horsepower car. It was the first time that you could have a car like that. I mean, 35 horsepower, that's nothing today. I mean, we are, normal cars have, whatever, 350 horsepower. No, but, uh, but, um, but certainly that name came to be iconic. And behind that name, of course, is Our, our Lady of Ransom. Our Lady of Mercy, Merced, Mercy, Ransom. And indeed, the first tabernacle of the work in Barcelona was set up in May of 1945. And now, we go from the Civil War, 1937 to 1945, where there were many, many persecutions against uh, Opus There were misunderstandings, people who just just did not understand this idea that you could have men, and women separately but living sanctity in ordinary life for many people this just did not make sense you had to you know only only religious or priests were called to sanctity normal people just it just didn't click with a lot of people They didn't understand it and uh, and uh, well there were rivalries and things and so I think Saint-Israel suffered a lot during that time of persecution against the work. And, of course, this was not persecution by Muslims. This was persecution by very good Catholics. I mean, good, holy Catholics, and that kind of... One thing is when, when Muslims are attacking you and, uh, and enslaving you, and another thing is when your own brothers in the faith your, and sisters in the faith are not understanding you and, and looking down upon you and, and, and stopping your apostolic work. So he realized that at this time, this was 1945, that he really needed an approval like he needed like way like i majorly need an approval from an authority an ecclesiastical authority so he sent don alvaro who is now a priest he sent him to to rome and um, he said okay like do something you know i mean speak to these people in the vatican so we get some kind of approval of course it was very new phenomena this no notion of secularity that the the value of secular things of ordinary life can be sanctified you know people thought sanctification you know you have to do something with the sacraments you have to be a nun you have to be you know all good things of course but but he said no no you can be you can sanctify engineering you can sanctify uh, you know doctors work in the middle of the world so Don Alvaro went and tried to explain this and he had to go through rather rigid Vatican protocols to get there finally, but But uh, he said I was told among other things that it was impossible for Opus Dei to be given official approval At that point because we had been born as they put it a century too soon The difficulties were so great that they seemed insuperable I decided to write to the father to tell him that he had to come to Rome in person. So he's writing him now to, as I understand, he's writing him to Barcelona, right? He said, you have to come? Of course, Barcelona and Rome, for us, well, we just get on a flight. But those days, you know, this is post-war. It's a difficult time. And his doctor told him, look, you've got severe diabetes. Not a good idea. I don't recommend that you go on a on a." On a on a boat, and uh, and he said, "Look, we have to. I have to do this. I have to risk this." Now, I remember when uh, I was in Rome in 1992. This was when Saint was beatified on May 17, 1992. In the run-up to the beatification, there was a lot of books written about the life of Saint Josemaria, and some guy had decided to produce a movie. Right? He was a movie producer, and he said it would be great to have a movie about Saint right? and well he decided to send the script in first to rome and we heard at that time that the opening scene of the movie was the mediterranean in storm you know like these waves and in the mediterranean is the jj sister going up and down over waves and on the deck is saint maria you know holding on for dear life right and that would have been the opening scene and then how he would have arrived at rome and. Try to explain what Obus Day was, right? And indeed, that's that's what he did. He went on a very, very severe storm stormy night. Ended up in Genoa. Was picked up there and ma- made his way to Rome, where they eventually met with uh, Pius the Twelfth. But um, uh, you know, it was it was it was very daring for him to do that. I mean, he was just an ordinary guy. You know, he was just an ordinary priest, and, and to go to Rome like that. And when he arrived, he 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 saw the light where Pope Pius was was his room and he, he was very moved and he prayed all night and so forth so he always felt protected by our blessed mother and whenever we feel overwhelmed you could be overwhelmed now and stressed by work by studies by covid you know you maybe zoom doesn't work and you don't get your your classes you know you, there's problems there's there's, there are challenges. That's where we have to lean into those challenges and say, Lord, this is an opportunity you're giving me. These challenges. Maybe maybe you have to deal with a really majorly annoying person. One of those persons that wrinkles their foreheads every time you say something and gives you that expression, you know, like a little bit like when Tucker Carlson speaks to a, a liberal guy and he, he kind of looks, looks at the person... Like what are you saying? You know, he he has this funny look, this look of huh, like what, right? And uh, people make uh, there are memes all about his his what are you saying look, right? And uh, maybe every time we speak to a certain person, they give us what are you saying look, right? And it can be difficult. It can be challenging to be patient, to be understanding with that person. So let us really feel that our blessed mother is protecting us. She's protecting us. She's got us under her mantle and she's saying, Come on, come on, go, you know. Uh, and as they say in Italian, Avanti, you know, like get ahead, you know, don't don't just sit there. He said, this is Santos Ria, he said, I came to Rome with my soul placed in my mother, the blessed Virgin Mary and with a burning faith in God our Lord whom I invoked with the trusting words lo we have left everything and followed you what then shall we have what will become of us O God my Father a, he's paraphrasing there the words of Saint Peter right when in chapter 6 of Saint John when when all these people started to leave Jesus because his, his teaching seemed to be too demanding and, and uh, Jesus said to them are you going to leave too and he said well you have the words of eternal life. Where shall we go? Where shall we go? So let's ask our Blessed Mother to protect us and always to be confident. To meet. But if we're confident of her presence, it means we also have to be very daring. Right? And uh, well, blessed Emilie Travernier-Gamelin, she, she was pretty daring. She was born in, in 1800, and she was from a family of 15 kids. She was the youngest, 15, 15 kids, born in Montreal, And her mother died in 1804 when she was four years old, and uh, her her father died when she was 14 years old. And uh, and so she was brought up by an aunt, and at the age of 19, uh, she herself had to take care of that aunt who had been taking care of her because that aunt got very ill and stuff. But she loved the kind of fashionable society in Montreal, And she would frequently go to these social events and stuff. But in her heart, she felt a strong vocation, like she, like, what was the only thing available then, uh, pretty much, was the convent, right? And she said, uh, "I I wanted to renounce forever the young dandies and also the vanities of this world and become religious. But she didn't do that. Instead, she married a guy his name was Jean-Baptiste Gamelin. He was a 50-year-old bachelor. She's like 19 years old. She marries a 50-year-old guy. And he sells apples. That's Sorry, but that's what he does. He sells apples. Like, what's wrong with you, honey? I mean, like, you know? Well, that's how he made his living. And... Um, well, the the marriage lasted for four years because uh, he died in eighteen twenty seven, and uh, she had three children with him. And imagine, she had three children. Uh, two died shortly after birth, and the third one died a year uh, a year after Jean-Baptiste died. So they all died fairly, fairly young. So she had a lot of grief after her husband died and she took an interest in charitable works she took an interest in seeing all these widows around and she was i mean she was pretty young right so um and she was told by her spiritual director to have confidence in our lady of sorrows and she developed this real devotion to our lady of sorrows and uh, she had other spiritual directors and stuff and and then she started like seeing all these widows they were living in absolute poverty absolute misery there in the 18 we're going to say the 1820s and stuff in Montreal and uh, she decided to, to start to help these ladies she started I don't know how she did them anyway she got a house She they lived there and she took care of them the house started getting bigger and bigger and eventually she started a convent and they called it Les Sœurs de la Providence, Providence the Sisters of Providence and um, and uh, she was uh, sort of uh, very, very uh, uh, sort of fascinated, or not, not, not the right word, but she was just taken by, by this idea of caring for those who were really in need. And it took a lot of daring, it took a lot of courage, but of course she had a deep devotion to our Blessed Mother. Let us ask our Blessed Mother now to give us that, that daring, that courage, Maybe try to identify what is the one thing that you need courage for now, that you need daring, that you need fortitude now. And then ask Our Lady to protect you, to take her mantle, cover you, and well, you'll feel protected, you know? You'll feel... Okay, you can, you can say, okay, right now, you can say, Father, I'm totally stressed. Okay, just, just say, okay, between 1 and 10, what is the level of your stress? Everybody else says, nine, Father, nine. You know, wait, 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 Just take it easy, like, examine it again. But often, if you are asked to do that, you often say, well, actually, it's probably more like a three, right? So, so you know, if you're able to do that, what? You can't live with a three? Just try to live with a three. You know? If it's a bit higher, we'll see if we can lower it, right? And our Blessed Mother, of course, will intercede for us.